Geek Dives. Geek Dives. Release your inner geek. Speak, think, geek with Geek Dives. Hi, I'm Willie. And I'm Tim. And this and is Geek Dives. And tonight we've got a very special guest, one Mr. Mike Van Cleve with us. Mike, how you doing tonight? I am good and getting better. How are you guys? Excellent. Doing great. Doing great. So Mike is a local, um, well, he's many things, but first and foremost, many of you may know him uh, as Mike Van Cleve, the realtor. But Mike, why don't you uh, take a couple minutes here and, and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, I am, uh, as you guys said, I'm a local realtor uh, based out of Peoria and uh, father. Uh, I've got a small uh, five-year-old daughter, uh, husband, uh, and uh, coach wheelchair basketball uh, on the side and uh, avid baker and just a lot of, lot of things. I'm also running for uh, president of the Peoria Park District Board of Trustees. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you took some time tonight, Mike, to uh, to chat with us. And, you know, I know um, that you use uh, technology. You're a Mac guy, an Apple guy. And uh, I know your wife is really on the bleeding edge when it comes to technology stuff. So uh, what we're going to do is I know you've got some, some topics about real estate technology, so we'll get to those. But we've got a few things that uh, we're going to talk about, get your opinion on those. And uh, so let's get started. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Hey, Tim, Tim wants to talk about two factor. And uh, so I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him run away with this one. Yeah. So uh, I recently had a uh, scenario where I got a new cell phone. I was using uh, Google authenticator for two factor authentication for a couple apps. Uh, got my new phone. Didn't realize that my uh, sites did not sync up with iCloud go to log into one of my sites and all of a sudden I go into Google Authenticator and I can't get into my accounts. And I was a, a little bit upset that I didn't check that before I uh, formatted my other phone for one, you know, shame on me. Right. Uh, but two, yeah. I was, <laughs> number two, I was thinking, Oh crap. Now what, you know, these aren't accounts that I jump into every day. Uh, they're ones that I typically jump into once every month or two, maybe. Um, and they, they, keep you logged in. So I don't have to log in every single time I'm going in there. Um, so uh, what did I do? I reached out to these companies uh, one at a time and thought, uh, hey, let's give this a shot and see what we can do to get my two-factor authentication turned off, verify my account, whatever I got to do to get this thing going so I don't have to reset my accounts. Um, so I, I get a hold of the first company. And uh, do you want to do you want to mention names, or are we gonna, are we not going to mention names? Uh, we we can mention names, and hopefully they'll they'll listen and change their mind and how they're handling things. I guess. So the sure. first one was Ubiquity. Um, you know, I I set up two factor authentication on my Ubiquity account. A few controllers on there that I I help Which, manage and 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 let's mention this: if you are using Ubiquity software. Uh, and especially the cloud-based stuff, make sure you've got two-factor authentication turned on at a minimum, even though I don't know what you're about to hear. But in 2018, if you are not using two-factor authentication of some sort, it's not if you're going to be compromised, it's when. Absolutely. So two-factor authentication, 
hugely, hugely important. And uh, Mike, when we get to the uh, real estate stuff, don't forget to tell the story about the padlocks and your cell phone and the GPS, because I think people will find that interesting. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Tim. So you, you got a hold of ubiquity. Sorry for interrupting you there. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. So all of ubiquity, send them an email through a support uh, message that I had opened up a long time ago, because they say, if you lose your two FA key to uh, send them a support um, ticket, but you have to log in to send them a support ticket. So that's flaw number one. So I happened to find an old support ticket that I had opened with them, replied to that and said, hey, here's the scenario. Got a new phone, didn't transfer my stuff over. Any way that I can get this uh, turned on? How do I verify my account to you guys so I can get this turned off so I can jump in and get this set up on my new phone? Not five minutes later, I get an email back. Hey, we turned off 2FA on your account. No Sorry, verification. They didn't ask, like, they didn't have anything to, like, be like, are you really Tim Bear? No, no, absolutely not. So, I mean, I did send it from my email account from a ticket that I had opened a long time ago, but that doesn't mean jack squat anything <laughs> anymore. Um, yeah, zero authentication other than, oh, yeah, you're sending it from your email account. We'll right. call that good. So, not, not that I can't spoof that from any other, uh, you know, I can't. I can make an email look like I'm sending it from whoever I want it to look like I'm sending it from. So right. that's, there's zero reason that that should have gone through that way. So I, so I logged back in, set up my two factor authentication, made sure I saved my paper backup keys this time uh, in an encrypted folder, mind you. Um, so yeah, that was my, uh, my very scary. I was, I was kind of relieved at first. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, that was a lot easier than it really should have been yeah well um, you know you know paypal uh had a couple different you know paypal used to have a, a hardware token do you, you guys know what i'm talking about with hardware tokens so it had like mm -hmm. six bits and they would roll yeah oh yeah um and they banks did, have those yeah and and paypal did away with that i don't know if they're going to come back and then they went to this authentication where you could have secret questions um or they could send you a text. They've now done away with the secret questions and now they send you the text or they call you. That's how they authenticate um, that you are who you say you are. I like the way there's another company um, that I work with. Uh, it's actually an online credit card company where I log in to do a report and you have to choose a secret word when you uh, first sign up for the service and they randomly ask you to provide letters from your secret word. So mm. you, every time you go to log in, you can turn on standard two-factor, but then on, on top of it, it says, give us characters one, three, and seven from your secret word. It's like a messed up game of hangman. It is a totally <laughs> messed up game of hangman. The problem with that is, is that if you are one of those people that, that gets into and I'm, I actually just um, – uh, for my day job, just redid the uh, information security training, and I'm giving it for the first time tomorrow when I talk about this, um, is that when we're on Facebook and you have those games where people are like, oh, what street did you live? You know, what's your uh -huh. favorite? Mm -hmm. don't, don't get sucked into those because I'm pretty sure that I saw a question where my secret word would have been in there. And uh, now all of a sudden, all I got to do is go through there, and if I hit a top end, if the furthest I ever see the number asked for is number seven, right? If I never see that 
challenge question asks for a character past seven, I know that the length of that secret, you know, word is probably seven, right? So then yeah. I, start, I start narrowing it down to information that's publicly available. And there are people that do this all the time. Sorry for hijacking your thread there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I got to disagree with you about the, uh, about the, the Facebook and the, uh, I want people to answer quizzes, after <laughs> quizzes because I, that is, that is gold. That is marketing gold to me because Facebook is tracking absolutely every, uh, every, uh, thing that, that people are putting in there yep. and they're, they're selling it to people like me, uh, which sounds really devious, but when you're, when I'm marketing a home and hopefully this is something we get to talk about later but uh you know that is that is incredible information when uh when i'm looking at uh target audiences for uh for home so yeah uh, hopefully we can talk about that later yeah absolutely and and like we talked about in the last podcast that kind of information stuff like survey monkey is going to have that is it's it can be really valuable information but on the flip side if i look at enough of your uh uh you know, I grew up on this street and this is my mom's maiden name. I can actually oh, yeah. start, I can actually start emulating you. And then we start getting into an identity theft realm. And that's why oh, we, absolutely. that's why we have two factor authentication. And Tim, I'm hoping you're going to tell me about another experience that was better than the first one. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the second company that I, I lost my account on was Mailgun. And if you haven't used Mailgun, it is a fantastic service. Um, it's, uh, basically what it is. It's, it's, uh, email sending service. Relay. Um, yeah, exactly. Relay, uh, API. So you can set it up for that. You can set it up with your outlook account. If you have, uh, whatever you're wanting to do there, if you have uh, a mailing list, you can set that up and send it through Mailgun. Um, and they give you like 10,000 free emails every month. And then it's dirty cheap after that. And if you're sending more than 10,000 emails in a month, you could probably afford to pay a few cents per message after that. But uh, it's a fantastic service. Um, so uh, I found another old uh, support ticket that I had with Mailgun because once again, I couldn't get logged in to get with their support. Uh, emailed them and say, hey, here's the scenario. You know, got a new phone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they email me back about, 15 minutes later and say, Hey, you know, here's what we need you to do. We need you to log into your registrar. We need you to set up a name record and point it to mailgun.com. And as soon as we verify that you've done that, we know that you own that account. We know that you own that domain. We'll turn it off so you can get logged back in and get it reset up. And that that's was fantastic. Good, uh, yeah. That's a pretty good authentication method. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, you know, it helps that they're, you know, you have to set up records for uh, DNS to send stuff through Mailgun to verify you know, whenever you're creating the account. So, you know, it's you don't just have to have access to your email. You don't just have to have access to your DNS. Um, you have to have access to everything and know what you're doing to the point where, yeah, here you go. I'll, I'll unlock your account. And that right. one made me feel all warm and fuzzy, like, hey, okay, you know, they're not going to just turn this off for anybody. Well, and, and so let me make you guys both feel warm and fuzzy when we're talking about two-factor authentication. So if you're using your phone um, as your two-factor token, which I will tell you, do yourself a favor. I used to be on the Google Authenticator bandwagon, and I love Google Authenticator, but I ran into the same problem that you did, Tim, where you can't back it up. And so I've actually switched to Authy. And uh, Authy allows you to back up and encrypt that backup of all of your two-factor accounts. 
And um, there's a couple other programs out there. I think LastPass has one as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, for free, off the, uh, I don't think it gets much better on, on an uh, iOS or uh, Android device. Yeah, I've since switched to Authy on your recommendation, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah so, it's, it works pretty well. So let me ask you guys a question. Uh, the, you know, in real estate, I mean, there are probably 100, 120 websites that, that I have logins to through, uh, you know, various marketing stuff and, and whatnot. Um, I used to, uh, I used to hear of like websites or, or things probably this was before kind of Apple and, and, um, and, uh, you know, Google Chrome and these guys all kind of track, uh, uh, passwords for you. But, um, are there sites out there that do kind of, I guess, store your and encrypt your, your passwords that you can go and, um, instead of typing in, you know, the uh all the 12 characters with the you know with the mixture of letters and capitals and and whatnot um is there something out there for because i understand this works for you guys in terms of yeah some of the acronyms you're tossing around i have absolutely no idea you might as well be speaking greek well and anytime you want to know what those acronyms are but you know just say hey what the hell does that mean? <laughs> we'll say, we'll say. Oh, you don't have that kind of time, guys. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, you know, but uh, is there for the layman? Like, is there a a, a reasonable site? Uh, I don't know. Like, there, there yeah, like there's a, a, there's a handful. So, uh, LastPass is probably one of the more popular ones. Um, and they've got Chrome extensions and Firefox extensions. So as you're going in, you're signing up for a new account. They'll actually give you a recommendation for a random 12, 15, 18 character password. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll save it for that domain. So whenever you go back in to log in, they'll say, hey, here's the domain. Here's your username. We've got yep. your password. It'll click a, you click a button and it fills all that in for you. Uh, yep. The downside if- to LastPass is on like mobile devices. To, to do it with mobile devices, they charge you. It's mm. only like a buck a month or something like that. It's not a huge dollar amount. Sure. Um, but for the for the security and you know knowing for sure you're going to have a different on every website, which is a fantastic idea. Um, you know, recycling passwords is uh, is never never smart. And well, passwords are like your underwear; they should be changed often and never shared with anybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, another thing that, that I think. <laughs> Another thing that I think that you should, um, I, I think that LastPass, if you're going to pay for one, I think LastPass is a really solid choice. But I even like to, with Windows, like if you've got an HP laptop, they come with a fingerprint reader um, out of the box. And with everything that's built into uh, Windows and, of course, LastPass and stuff like that, you can start using your fingerprint, right? So you don't always have to remember that master password. You can actually mm-hmm. tie it to a biological you know, it, it's very difficult for someone to replicate your fingerprint to, to, to come to your computer. And, you know, now I know we're going to have people in the audience. They're going to lose their minds, right? <laughs> and they're going to say, well, MIT can replicate keys from pictures and they can replicate fingerprints. Yes, they can. But like everything else, there's an opportunity cost, right? How bad does Willie Howe really want to get into Mike Van Cleve's computer? Am I going to spend the dollars it's going to take to replicate your fingerprint to get in? Probably and, not. And get a hold of your physical device. And, right. and, you know, there's a whole lot of other steps in there, too. It's not just, hey, can I, can I use some silicone and replicate your, 
or you know, lift your fingerprint off that beer mug that you're holding on to and you use yeah. that to hack into it, your, it, your laptop. It's probably, probably going to date me, but it, 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 uh, it reminds me of the, the, uh, uh, old movie sneakers, uh, from, yeah. oh, incredible. <laughs> you know, my voice is my password. Exactly. Uh, verify me, you know, and the extent that, uh, I think it was the Sigourney Weaver had to go through to, to, uh, to get the, uh, voice encryption and the, um, it just, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing in real estate is can somebody rip you off? Can somebody, you know, yes. But to what extent do they have to, um, you know, and, and how bad do they want to do that? And, and, you know, what are they going to get from it? Yeah. And, and I have this conversation all the time, you know, because people are worried about the, uh, the, the reach and the extent of our three letter agencies uh, spying on citizens and I, they're like, well, VPN this and VPN that. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Use a VPN, you know, a virtual private network to send your data out of the country if you're worried about it. That's fine. I get it. But when, when they're t- looking at Willie Howe, does Willie Howe fit all the profiles where they are going to spend the time and the money that it's going to take to break that VPN to see what Willie Howe's doing? Probably not. You know, it's all about that that opportunity cost, you know, now if I was, have done something to publicly speak out and cause, you know, some sort of a ruckus, um, yeah, they're probably going to pay a little bit, you know, closer attention to what we're doing. But, you know, I would say probably the three of us on this podcast and, you know, I really like you guys, but, uh, our personal lives are probably about like watching paint dry. So the, the, uh, (laughs) the, um, you know, our kids keep us on our toes. That's the best part of it, right? right? So so the opportunity cost for them to see what Willie Howe and Tim Bear and Mike Van Cleaver are doing. Oh, Mike's selling houses. Oh, he's, I don't know, he's doing something with a vehicle or always oh, planning a, a, a daughter daddy night, you know. Oh, Tim's programming a website for somebody. Oh, Willie, who cares what he's doing, right? So, <laughs> you know, you just you recording another out. video. Yeah. So, but you know, on this, in this same vein, this is actually going to pivot us right into the the second thing that we were going to talk about, which is the phishing emails. So uh, Mike, if you don't know, there's a website out there called um, uh, have I been pwned and I Mm. will actually, well, I'm actually, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that site. We talked about it at a sales meeting. Perfect. So, so uh, there's some really popular phishing emails going around right now. And I'm, I'm actually, this is in my training as well, but I wanted to, to, to touch on it. And what it is, is, you know, if your email address has been in a database that's been compromised, right, which means somebody has stolen that database. And they, um, they have your password. What they're doing now is they're sending you an email and they're saying, hey, I've got your password. And they're providing a password that, that you actually use, right? So when you look at that in the email, you're going to go, oh, these guys are serious. They're providing they're providing a password. So first you've got the shock value and then you've got the, that the, they actually nailed this, right? So now you're thinking, okay, there could be some legitimacy, you know, some legitimate uh, cause for concern. They have a password. Um, that's why if you're using something like a last pass that randomizes those passwords, you don't need to worry. Mm-hmm. About that. Or if you're, if I know people that are in their sixties, they keep a black book, they have different passwords for every website and they write them down. So they, they would be in this, this as well. I use the fingerprint reader technology, but anyway, um, 
So they write this email, and the gist of the email is that they've in, you've gone to a porn site, and from the porn site, they were able to install a remote desktop client on your machine. And then um, what they're able to do is they were able to, and they compliment you in the email too, right? To make you feel good after they told you that they stole your, you know, they're like, we watched, you know, we were watching the videos that you watched and you've got good taste, right? It's literally in the email. <laughs> and, and then they go on to say, so the second part of the program actually kicked on your, your uh, webcam or, and, or your, re-recorded the screen and so we saw what you were doing with yourself and and so they allude to that they could see you in a compromising moment and that they've recorded it then what they tell you is if you don't pay us i've seen uh, uh, dollar amounts ranging from three hundred dollars to i saw one that was eighteen hundred dollars if you don't send this amount of dollars in bitcoin to this bitcoin wallet we are going to send this to everybody in your contact list. We're going to publish it on your social media. And so now we've got the scare tactic. So, to be fair, though, if uh, depending on the time of the day, that could have been the same number of Bitcoin for that $300, $1,800 that they were asking for. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. But, Tim, you, you have looked at the same Bitcoin wallets that I have, and people are paying these ransoms. Yeah. Right? So, but I'm here to tell – Mike, if you get this, it's complete bunk. Don't listen to it. Delete it. Save it. Show it to friends. Have a good laugh over a drink. And make sure you're not using that password anywhere else. <laughs> make sure that well, you're you know, not it's, using it's, it's, it's interesting. A, a really big thing right now in the uh, real estate uh, E&O, uh, errors and emissions insurance world, is that, that um, companies are coming out with these new uh, disclosures that – uh, they're having sellers and buyers sign that that tells them about uh, these phishing scams that happen f where people are posing as uh, title companies. And these are the title companies that are being utilized in these transactions. Uh, and what's happening is these uh, these fishers are I don't know what the appropriate uh, you know term is for them, but these these scammers are are. Uh, sending fake wire instructions yeah. and there was an agent uh, i forgot the the uh, place but our we just had a presentation from our errors and emissions insurance pro, uh, folks and the agent had to pay eighty five thousand dollars in a claim uh, because they did not properly disclose to their clients the uh the threat that uh that came from this and you know, it's a, it's a huge thing i mean people uh, you're absolutely right in the fact that these emails come and they're directed at, you know, the average seller is 44 to 65 years old. And so uh, I know folks within that, uh, that group uh, that are extremely tech savvy and I know uh, a fair number that aren't. And right. so, you know, it's, it's, there's this, and then you get into the, the folks who are potentially older than that. Um, and once that money is gone, it, it, it is gone. Oh yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's disgusting. So, so they use all these different, you know, uh, and I'll tell you that, uh, so I just applied for a trademark and the company I applied for the trademark for at, as soon as, uh, they file your, your application, they tell you, you are going to receive email. They don't call them phishing because I think that they'd probably be slanderous and they're, they're probably trying to walk a line there, but they tell you, you will start receiving many emails every day that look like they may be from us but it is from other people trying to sell you services now that you've filed a trademark 
Um, and you know, this is what they're trying to do. So it happens in all different industries. Um, but the, and, this amazing- is, and this isn't new. I mean, this has been happening even prior to email. Um, oh, yeah. You know, anybody who's bought a house has gotten countless pieces of mail mm-hmm. that look like they're official, like they look like they could be from your lender, looks like it could be from an insurance company saying, hey, you need this gimmick insurance to cover your water line from your house to the to the water main. Um you know, it's cost your neighbors, you know, $3,000 to dig up their front yard and it's complete junk and it's, and it's borderline. I mean, it's, I'm sure the federal trade commission has chased down a bunch of these folks, but, and it really, what the difference is, is now it's just in the digital age. Right. Exactly. Well, well, I still still get messages or postcards or letters or whatever from, Oh, you bought this car. Don't forget your extended yeah. warranty. And, oh, yeah. you know, you it's get them for that and everything closing. else, too. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, part of, it's part of the language that I talk. It's, at every closing, I say, hey, you're going to get these in the mail. And if you have any questions about them, give me a call. But, you know, it, it's just it's, it, it's a reality of our, of our situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and anybody who's ever purchased a domain, I guarantee you, you've, mm-hmm. had a, you've got a piece of mail it's from like Domain USA, and they want you to pay the 19.95 fee. I've seen it up to 120 bucks. It mm-hmm. looks legitimate, and you know how many people probably keep paying that because mm-hmm. they it looks legit. It's just like when you're doing social engineering. You walk into a place and you look like you're supposed to be there, and you look like yeah. you know what you're doing. They're gonna give you the keys of the vault. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, Tim, you did my website, and and I can't tell. Yeah, I mean, we've probably talked handful of times uh, about like emails that i've gotten where it's mm-hmm. like hey you know and, and i consider myself a pretty tech savvy um person when it comes to a lot of things but um you know it, a lot of stuff can be very uh very convincing exactly well, and it's and it's made to be make you feel disconcerted to the point where you're like man i just i, I don't want to lose my domain i can't mm-hmm. lose my website my email is tied to this. If I don't pay this, I'm going to lose all of this information, all you know, control of all of this stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, most people are going to say 220 bucks is worth it to me to make sure I don't lose my domain and my email. Yeah. Um, you know, in, you know, my day job, I just had a scenario a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a new HR lady start not too long ago. She got an email that looked like it was from the CEO of the company saying, Hey, I need you to change, make a change to my direct deposit information. Oh. Can you email me back? And well, first of all, my CEO is not going to send an email 99 times out of a hundred. He's going to walk down the hall to 15 steps to her office. Hey, second of all, second, a different department takes care of uh, salary employees versus hourly employees and everything else. They, they emailed to the wrong person, but she actually emailed back and said, well, Hey, you need to talk to so-and-so or so-and-so on this. Uh, they handle salary employees. So then they emailed back and said, oh, okay. And, you know, she went, she, after she got the second email back, she's like, wait a second, something's not quite right. And then she came to me. So I sent out another email saying, hey, if you're getting these things, you know, watch out for it. We're seeing stuff coming from so-and-so and so-and-so. And, And, you know, it's, it was to the point where, you know, the, the name that popped up in Outlook said, you know, the CEO's name, um, yeah, she didn't think to hover over it or expand 
see what the domain was yep. or anything else. And, yep. you know, it, it was convincing enough to her that she's like, wait a second. Yeah, here you go. And then, yeah. Oh, well, and, and who questions the CEO, right? Exactly. So exactly. We had a similar situation at my day job where somebody uh, purporting to be the director, you know, emailed uh, someone else in management and asked for gift cards, you know, and, and we shut it down. You know, and another thing that is uh, becoming really popular right now if, is uh, emails with these attachments that uh, look like resumes. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if you've seen those, but we we are seeing just a lot of those. And when you open it, then it takes you to a link. Uh, or we actually have seen files now that have macros, so they've got embedded code in them uh, that try to download software to your computer when you open the Word document. So... So aside from like, you know, I mean, the CAPTCHA stuff that is just utterly ridiculously annoying on, on websites, I mean, what what is the average person supposed to do to to be able to tell when they're they're potentially getting hoodwinked? So what I would like to tell you is to use common sense. However, <laughs> oh, I mean, calculated what that was, it, was it uh, Benjamin Franklin, the only thing uh, you know, less common is common sense, or I don't know. I'm, I'm screwing well, up the uh, the quote there, but uh, well, you're you're close. So what I was going to say is, common sense to a doctor is different than common sense to an IT guy, right? So doctors know how you're put together, and IT guys know what these scams kind of look like, or at least a good IT guy should be able to spot one of these scams and not get scammed. Um, I will tell you, there, it's it's profitable. It's hugely profitable, and so they keep getting better, and they keep getting smarter. Um, I just saw a statistic from uh, just from this year that uh, one in 100,000 people will respond to a spam email or a phishing attack, and there's so many emails sent every day. That equates to 1,300 people being scammed a day. so, you know, what you got to look out for, and this is what I, this is what I tell everybody. Okay. Were you expecting the, the Nairobi King to send you $2 million? You know, if you were, that's great. Let's have a conversation about that. But if, if something is too good to be true, it probably is because we all know that nothing is really free, right? Uh, nobody wants to, you know, send you, uh, you know, the, one of the popular scams used to be, Hey, um, I'm going to send you this check, you deposit it, and you send me 5000 and you keep 2000 right? That scam was hugely popular, and the Canadian Post used to have a problem where it got robbed a lot, and so you would see, you know, companies who were doing business with, uh, in the States, who were doing business with Canadian companies, their checks would get stolen, and the printers in Canada are able to faithfully reproduce these checks, even down to the heat transfers that disappear with your thumb, and I saw one of these checks for a company I used to work for and had it showed up in my mailbox, I would have called the, the CFO before I deposited and said, Hey, thanks for the bonus. And then when he would have said, uh, we didn't give you a bonus. That's when I would have been like, Oh, I got a problem. So there's not one real like silver bullet. I know I went kind of the long way around that question. I, and I apologize for that, but kind of, you do have to use some common sense. You have to remember that in 2018, you know, there are people out there who wish you ill will. They want to steal your money. They want to steal your identity. And so if, you know, it's just like, Mike, let me ask you this. If an envelope, sure. if an envelope showed up on your desk tomorrow, 
with your name on it and there was a USB drive inside the envelope, what would you do? Uh, throw it in the garbage. Okay. You're smarter than most people. You, yeah, nine out of ten people are going to look at that. They're going to plug it in. Then when they see the file on that USB key that says 2018 payroll, you know what they're going to do? They're going to open that file because we're curious. You know, we want to know, oh, what, you know, what does everybody else got going on? And um, so people, people can be tricked. But if, if you are getting unsolicited emails, delete them. If you are not expecting them and they've got attachments, do not open the attachments. You know, the, the, the best – and Tim, chime in on this too, but the best kind of safe harbor that I can give you is take the high road and analyze things. Put your critical thinking uh, skills to work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, like you said, there's not one silver bullet, but, you know, if you're, if you're used to an email coming from somebody from one address, and most people kind of familiar with what the email address might be for a person, you know, I'm not going to send an email from me, Tim Bear, from a, uh, smith92768 at gmail.com you know kind of put two and two together make sure that the email address looks like it might be from the same person um, or at least from the same domain that you're used to um, if there's a link in there that looks like it's a google or a, a paypal link or you know any any you know a dropbox link hover over it and look at the domain that it's going to send you to to make sure that's actually Dropbox or Gmail or, you know, whatever yeah. else. That's, that's the other big one is, you know, you'll see an email that looks legit, looks like it's coming from, uh, you know, even Apple pay. Thanks for, here's your receipt for, you know, buying $99 and 99 cents worth of gems for whatever the game du jour is. And you're like, wait a second, I didn't spend a hundred dollars on this. You're going to click that link without even thinking about it. Log oh, yeah. into your account quote unquote, your account. And now that website has your, uh, your iCloud username and password. And Absolutely. they're storing that information. And then they're going to say, Oh, wait, no, that was a mistake. Never mind. Uh, well, I mean, I just had that happen today where I got an email from Fitbit and, uh, you know, maybe this is something that, that you guys, uh, have planned to talk about, but, um, you know, I got this email from Fitbit and I, I wear Fitbit. And they said, oh, you know, we feel like uh, your your account might have been compromised. And just instantly my, my you know, uh, my, I don't know, space sense or whatever went up. And I went, you know, I got to I gotta figure out whether, you know, this is legitimate or not. Um, and so, you know, I, I tried to, and I did just what you talked about. Uh, I clicked on the, on the, um, where it said Fitbit and I clicked on and it said, yeah, do uh, no reply at Fitbit.com. And uh, I was like, okay, so that, that checks out. And then, um, you know, and so I did a Google search and I, you know, and, and, but the thing is, I mean, we live in a, we live in an environment and a society where, uh, where people are sharing half, half stories. And I'll, I'll tell an example of that. Uh, I'm at a party. Uh, last winter with uh, with a, a bunch of people and this guy comes in and he goes uh, he goes all you guys that are uh, turning your cars on outside or are, are, uh, are breaking the law and I went what are you talking about he goes well you know there's a new law in, in Illinois that says you can't auto start your uh, you can't auto start your your car and I went there's no way that can be you know I mean that that would blow up a whole division of of uh, you know the auto industry and there so I I go on to I go on and I Google it and sure enough he's right well half right. 
because the the law actually is you can't auto start your car in your garage with the door closed. <laughs> and so, but that's Watch not the me. part that gets good, right? You know, yeah. So, so what happened was some guy turned on his, his uh, auto remote in his garage door uh, with his garage door down and, uh, and carbon monoxide in the place. And so, so yeah, they passed a law and that makes sense, but the whole truth doesn't get shared. And so, you know, it's, it's what happens is we're, we're, you know, we're asking people who, who just expect this, this technology to work, um, to, to be that much more skeptical when they don't really fully wrap their head around, or they can't really wrap their head around, um, the technology to begin with. And so, you know, it has to be, there has to be this happy medium between, uh, protection and, and taking care of the, the, the guy that, you know, that, yeah, that's just, you know, using the the technology because it makes his life easier. Yeah. The downside is that middle ground is common sense once again. Well, yeah. That's the thing, you know, and you know, this may sound a little asshole, asshole-ish of me, but you know, if, are you guys there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Quiet, okay. Uh, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to seeing what you say here. <laughs> I want to hear the asshole. <laughs> so, but, but here's the thing: you are your grown man. You've uh-huh. gone. You've gone through uh, driver's ed. You've had a job. You own a house, and somehow you think it's a good idea to start your car in an enclosed garage and let it run. I'm just saying, maybe we just let things sort it out and we <laughs> remove all the safety tags. And <laughs> we spend more time concentrating on laws that actually make a difference because had you not Googled it, Mike, I still wouldn't know that that law existed. And even if it did exist, nobody's going to follow it. You know what I mean? yeah. We do these feel good things because it keeps people riding a gravy train. Uh, at our expense. I, I'm not going to get on that soapbox. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's do this. I'm really, I, I do want to touch on, on two quick things. But I really sure. want to talk about your real estate stuff. But So I, I posted a link and we'll post it in the show notes that a judge has now compelled Amazon to give up recordings in a murder case. And the uh, story that I posted was on TechCrunch and it was from uh, today. And um, what what will happen is once Amazon decides how they are going to respond, I believe they are going to set a precedent. And I am super interested to see what the precedent is because I think if Amazon carte blanche hands the recordings, that we are heading down a, a very slippery slope quickly. We're sliding down it. We're not... It, we're not we are we're rolling down it head first. Yeah. And if Amazon does this and you own Amazon stock, sell, 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 because it's uh that's it's gonna be it's gonna be bad for Amazon if they actually do. Now that said, if it's court martialed or, or not court martialed, but uh if 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 they have a subpoena for this information, what are they supposed to do? On that same note, why do they have these recordings anyway? But look at Apple. Apple, you know, they, that's the one, people can talk shit about Apple all they want. But Apple sells devices because you guys know that your devices are secure, mm-hmm. right? 
I mean, how much was it in the in the news after the incident in San Bernardino, you know, that the FBI had to go to Israel to get the phone decrypted because there was a zero day exploit out there because the our own government didn't have what it took. Now, it goes back to opportunity cost, but apparently we didn't have what it took to break into an iPhone, right? So to me, that's a warm fuzzy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, once again, our subscribers and listeners are going to lose their mind because we're praising Apple for something, right? But, <laughs> but um, that's just, that's just a fact of it is. And we, you know, Tim works with me enough. He knows that we bake security into everything that we do. It's, it's not something that we talk about. It's something that we live. Uh, are there things that we can actually do in our OPSEC? So OPSEC is operational security. Uh, that's how you live your life, how you operate your business. Yeah, there, there are much better things. Like if, if we were 1 million percent or 101 percent, uh, like this is how we're going to live as security. We wouldn't have Facebook pages. We wouldn't have social media. We wouldn't have YouTube channels. We wouldn't have a podcast, right? We would live in this reclusive life if we wanted a hundred percent, you know, guarantee, but that's, that's no way to live either. Um, so, and, and to your other point, Tim, why does Amazon have the recordings? You have so many people that are, that are adamant that these devices do not listen and record. Right. And here we are. Exactly. You know, and there, uh, there's these, the, the new, I don't even know what they're calling them, but the, the basically tablets that have the camera and, and you see the commercials from all the time for Facebook. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. Or whatever oh, yeah. yeah. There, there's a new one that's out now and I don't know, like they got a 10 inch and a 12 inch model or something like that, but they actually uh, advertise this as you know, a privacy feature where there's a flip on the side that will, put a lens down over the, or put a, a piece of plastic over the camera lens. Like, Hey, you don't want your camera spying on you. Flip the switch and we'll cover it up. <laughs> like yeah. why, why are they touting or advertising that as a feature if they're not using that the way they're not supposed to? So, <laughs> yeah. And when they yeah. get hacked, they'll be able to say, well, if you'd have had your privacy guard down, nobody would uh, be able to see you. You know, right, yeah. You, oh, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? But we had your password. Well, I just, you know what you were watching. As, as, the, son of, as the son of an attorney, I, I, you know, the conversations with my dad about uh, growing up about, you know, attorney-client uh, privilege and, and you know, you, you expect a certain amount of uh, uh, anonymity when you go and talk with somebody like a doctor or you talk with somebody like a, uh, like a priest or you talk with somebody like a... Um, uh, mental health professional um you know i think we're i would think that we're on the dawn of a new kind of kind of privacy expectation when it comes to things like um like that that you know there those are definitely going to be some interesting challenges that are um, that our lawmakers in the next you know 20 30 years uh really have to um really have to think about is you know what constitutes uh, people's right to privacy and what constitutes uh, social, you know, social justice when it comes to the potential of somebody committing a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and colleges now are uh, deploying dots in mass. I can't remember which college it was. They just deployed like 13,000 of these. There's one in every dorm room. Uh, My wife and I are still on the same page. We do not have a home assistant here. 
uh, in the house. Uh, yeah, neither do we. They're disabled. Yeah, they're disabled for phones. Um, and so once my home automation uh, build-out is done, the only way that I'll be able to, to do it, I mean, you'll have to use an app on the phone. I'm not going to tell Alexa to turn, you know, my lights on. Yeah. Well, and my wife, my wife is in public service, and, and there's a big question in, in that as to uh, to what extent uh, things like that are FOIA requestable. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and, and it's just, it's kind of one of those things where it is so much of a gray area. And I, I, I like the idea of being an early adopter of, of technology. Um, I like the idea of, of pushing limits and, um, and uh, kind of breaking uh some of the uh, business models that that we've established in terms of you know kind of the status quo but at the same time we have to think in in regards to this i'm i'm perfectly comfortable letting somebody else be that guinea pig exactly so we need to keep an eye on that and we'll definitely talk more about it the other thing is you saw fitbit data and um if you watch law and order you'll know that they they take things from the headlines that have actually happened they they write a nice little story around it. So Law & Order just had their episode a few weeks ago um, where they used Fitbit data to prove that somebody was at the scene of a crime performing this murder. Uh, this, if you Google it, this has happened. They have uh, uh, subpoenaed Fitbit data, or I don't even know if they had to subpoena it or if Fitbit just gave it over. But uh, uh, your Fitbits that track your heart rate, if you're doing something illegal, you're probably going to have a, an elevated uh, heart rate. So that's something else we've got to watch. We've got to watch about how all of these, all of these things that make our lives easier. First of all, we're monetizing ourselves in way we've ways we've never done before. Uh, but second of all, we're giving away way more information. Whether you're doing anything wrong, the uh, when somebody says, "Well, I'm not doing anything wrong," that's a BS excuse to give up your liberties, your freedoms, and your privacy um, because it's easy. So these are just things, guys, that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. And uh, we'll keep reporting back on those. So uh, do yourself a favor if you didn't see the Fitbit thing and give it a Google. Um, I think you'll find it pretty interesting. And but now, Mike, uh, you've got Zillow in your show notes. So I'm going to blast you with questions when we get to that. But I'm going to turn it over to you. And Tim and I are going to we're going to listen to you talk about real estate technology. And we're going to get to question you and all of your acronyms. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I try. I try. And uh you know, I try and remember that um, people don't do what I do on a daily basis. And so while, you know, while the average person sells a home every seven years uh, and I, you know, I sell, you know, three or four uh, a month on a, uh, on a regular month and, and more than that um, on a, on a good month, uh, you know, it's, um, it's the kind of thing where I try and remember to, communicate in a way that my clients are, are going to be comfortable with. And, and, uh, uh, but knowing that they, they're looking to me as their guide, uh, to help them through what can be a very confusing process. Um, and that process is made even more confusing with the access to information that we have at our fingertips. Um, and so I think that, you know, the, the, the big question that people ask is, so with all the, the websites out there and with all of this stuff, why do I need you? And, 
you know, it's, it's, I think that agents are even more in higher demand now uh, than ever before because of the access to information. And you really need somebody to help you and not everybody, but most people uh, need somebody to be, to be able to help them sort through what is information that they need to be looking at and what is information that is just noise. And, and here's a good, a good example of that. Cause Mike, you probably, you probably know where I'm going with this. And you're probably tired of hearing me ask this, but in Illinois, do you have to disclose if a property has paranormal activity? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a common question. So I, I saw, I, I show a lot of old homes. So I, I spent almost 10 years prior before getting into uh, residential uh, real estate, or I even worked as a, um, doing uh, project management and, and estimating for a residential contractor for a little while. And uh, and what I tell people is that uh, if a home is older than thirty or forty years, there's a high probability that somebody has died in that house. And uh, and so you know the in Illinois to answer your question. Uh, a stigma like a uh, a death or a suicide or things like that is not a uh, is not what we call a material defect. It's not something that if a buyer were to know about it, it would affect the market value. It might negatively affect their the appeal answer, to the home. A real question, but... though: If my house is haunted, what <laughs> <laughs> I have to disclose? I, I am answering your question. No, the, the short answer is no. Uh, the there's no obligation to disclose uh, paranormal activity <laughs> in Illinois, or I mean, I'm not aware of any state uh, that what that that is a requirement. I've seen the seen the pictures on Facebook or whatever else where it's got the realtor realtor sign on front and says, you know, for sale, <laughs> not, not haunted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna put the uh, uh, free pizza with purchase of this I house love it. is uh, the rider sign that I'm going to well, your, uh, your cookies, man. People come oh, van cookies, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, you guys are, you guys are, are accurate, but also too common. <laughs> I mean, Mike, Just I know kind enough. Know. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody <laughs> talks about uh, Zillow, Zillow. Um, we use realtor or we get automated notifications from you. Uh, talk talk to mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Absolutely. So, um, you know, Zillow and which are acquired Trulia um, to become the Zillow group, um, they still operate both sites independently, but it's a it's the same ownership. Um, You know, it is it is a a common question that comes up at a listing uh, presentation, Uh, you know, but Zillow says my house is worth X. one of the things that's really uh, telling uh, to me is, you know, we nobody knows the algorithm uh, of how they come up with uh, this, uh, what they call a Zestimate. So wait a minute, so uh, there is no, what they do, there's no real math behind it. I mean, or there's no... no um, I'm sure there's, I'm, I'm sure there's math behind it, but, um, you know, it's not just a wet finger up in the air, but it's, it's, they don't disclose this is how... Uh, we exactly get to that. There's, if you go to the footer of uh, Zillow.com and you click on uh, the area where it says Zestimate, um, there's a definition and it says, you know, how accurate is it? Uh, 
you know, coverage data, what, you know, what do we, how, what factors do we use? Um, there's actually an Excel spreadsheet that you can download. So if you go to Zillow.com uh, forward slash Zestimate, um, you can download the Excel spreadsheet oh, yeah. that has uh, all the metropolitan areas. Uh, and if you look on there, it says Peoria um, of the 76,596 homes, they have a Zestimate for 66,153 of those. Um, and then it'll say there are three columns. It's within 5% of the state of the sale price, uh, within 10% of the sale price, and within 20% of the sale price and with a median That's error. a pretty wide berth. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's huge. So like, yeah, so if, it, and I'll, I'll put this into context. Um, my average list to sale price is, uh, last year it was about 96.5%, which is about 5% better than the, um, the average market. Um, and so, um, so the average last year, of all the realtors in the greater Peoria area was about 91% sale or list to sale price. So when Zillow says that they're going to be within 10% of the sale price, they're hitting that 68.5% of the time in Peoria. So 32 or 31 and a half percent of the time they're they're not even coming within 10%. Now, Within, they say, oh, well, 79.9% of the time, we're within 20%. That's a big really? range. Really? 20%? That's, yeah. It's a huge It's a range. huge, yeah, huge and so, uh, margin of error. They should start predicting the weather. <laughs> so, can I be as wrong as often yeah, as they are know, and still keep a job? <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah, exactly. You know, And so that's why it's very frustrating for the real estate community to to have that question come up so much because – for us, it's a matter of professional uh, obligation. If I was to go and sit in front of somebody and say, you know, this is what your, uh, I think your home, uh, the range that I think your home will sell for, um, and I was to be wrong like this, I would expect to get sued. <laughs> and and very so least fired. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I don't understand how they can put this information out there and and not have the kind of backlash. So it's a very touchy thing in the real estate community that, that realtors are, 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 uh, are, are pretty upset about in that, you know, it's a, it's a very common objection that we get from people uh, that we have to spend a, a considerable amount of time uh, kind of overcoming in that, we are the local professionals. You know, and I think and, that, that may know. be why there's not the backlash on Zillow's because they're, you know, probably 95 times out of a hundred, they are talking to a realtor and the realtor is talking them down and saying, mm -hmm. no, here's really what you're looking at. And they say, Oh, okay, yeah. you're hired. And then, you know, Zillow sticks around and for to live another, without somebody wow. else complaining about it. Well, and it's, it's high or low. I mean, I've had them, I've, I've had it be now most often it is, Zillow is saying this two hundred, you know, twenty five thousand dollar house is actually worth uh, two sixty or two seventy, and and uh, and so we're having to have a conversation right. with the seller about, uh, you know, about here are the here are the comparable sales, um, here are the homes that are actively for sale. I have toured these homes that are going to be your direct competition, um, and I, you know, this is. This is where I believe your home will sell. And 
you know, and I think that's, that's challenging because, um, because you feel like you're, you're, you know, you talked about paranormal activity. You feel like you're swinging at a ghost right? and wow. you feel like you're swinging at a ghost that, that, uh, that is large enough. And Zillow has, there's, there are reasons that they have gotten as large as they have, well, but there are, there are sites that are a lot more. Yeah, I am sure that Zillow is using fancy legal footwork to make sure they don't get sued too often and that they win when they do get sued. But I'm looking at these numbers and I'm looking at Peoria County and it says there's 76,596 homes on Zillow for Peoria County and that 66,153 have Zestimates. That's a lot of data. So what I'm probably doing if I'm setting this up is uh, all the tax records in the United States are supposed to be public. So mm -hmm. I'm either, if, if the county doesn't have an, AP, an API, so basically a programming interface that I can uh, take my program, automatically plug into their tax database and pull mm -hmm. that information out based on either address, parcel ID, um, any, any one unique key for a property. Um, then what I'm doing is I'm asking for an export from the county and I'm doing a manual import. And I'm sure that there are, are mm -hmm. counties on this list where they've had Zillow has someone on staff who's on the phone. Hey, can you send me a copy of the database or whatever, how, however sure. they get it. And they're, they're dumping it in there. Um, this just, they have access to a huge amount of data. And I think probably if you're looking at this, so how often and it probably happens and you can probably tell us, when somebody really wants a house and they think other people are going to buy it, how often will a house go for asking price or above? Is that how often does that happen? I'm sorry. Can you, uh, can you repeat the, uh, uh, the last part? So if there's a house that someone really wants, how often have you seen a house go for asking price or higher? So um, my experience has been that um you know it really varies uh depending on the house depending on um but uh i have that you know if i'm doing um 40 houses a year two two or three might um you know have that be the case and and it also depends on the circumstances uh you know uh, i had a property and a couple of years ago that i was selling in um in dunlap uh, and this was, uh, this was not the city of Dunlap, but it was, it was, uh, off of Alter road. Uh, it was a one acre property and the house itself was really nothing to speak of, but it had a, a 30 by 40 Morden building on it. And it was an acre lot in Dunlap. Um, and what ended up happening was we had, we had 14 offers in the first three days. Wow. Um, and you know, and we priced it, uh, we priced it competitively. I felt like we priced it a little high for, um, and it just was, it was, it, it struck a chord with what people were looking for. Um, and it just, there was this kind of mass, uh, and actually the folks who ended up buying, uh, the property, uh, lived in the house while they built another house on the lot. And then they tore down the, uh, the original house. Um, and it was just that much of a demand that, um, you know, that, that caused that, that fervor. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it really just kind of, 
and it also depends on the market that we're in right now. We are in what I would consider and, and people in our industry would consider a healthy real estate market. Uh, we define a healthy real estate market as uh, based on number of months supply of inventory. And how we do that is uh, in terms of the burnoff rate, if we were to not list another home, how long would it take us to sell all the exi- existing inventory that's currently um, uh, listed for, for sale? Um, and right now we're sitting at about 5.6, I think, is the numbers that I saw a couple weeks ago um, in the greater Peoria area. So we're, we're towards the, we consider more than six months a uh, buyer's market and less than four months to be a seller's market. And so, you know, there are communities that this whole year, like Washington, has pretty consistently been a uh, teetering on uh, between a seller's market and a buyer's market at just about four months of supply. Uh, Morden, you can't keep a ranch uh, on the market in Morden um, because that is that is a hot commodity. Uh, Morden consistently this this year has been in the three and a half to three and three quarter month supply, um, and uh, and so the, and there are even neighborhoods within Peoria where that is uh, that is also the case. So, you know, it it depends on depends on the house, depends on you know, real estate is a scarce commodity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's not making any more, right? Right. So- exactly. <laughs> So, um, if, if, you know, obviously you're on the podcast, you've seen YouTube channel, we've got websites, mm-hmm. things like that. So, so for me and, uh, and even for Tim, like YouTube and other forms of, of digital marketing make it much easier for us to, it's, you know, get our name out there, get our products out there. And it's kind of the best resume that there is. It, what are you doing as a realtor? What are realtors doing kind of in that same realm to, uh, to kind of help out? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's there, there are, it, it's the 80, 20 rule, you know, it's 80% of the work is being done by 20% of the people. And that's, that's true in real estate as it is in most other industries. And so there are people like myself who really, see the um the benefit of digital marketing um and uh there's certainly a place still for traditional marketing but um understanding that the conversations that are happening online and the 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 greatest thing that we're seeing is that um that when i can sit in front of a client especially a seller and track where they're uh where the the uh the marketing how effective it is you know when i when i put an ad into the into the paper uh, i can they can tell me oh well this is our circulation but I can, they can't tell me how many eyes uh that ad saw um sure. or you know whereas with the digital uh, stuff you can tell how many subscribers you have you can tell how many clicks you get um i just listed a house yesterday that um that uh, we're doing an open house for on Sunday and we're going to tomorrow morning, there's going to be a a boosted Facebook post uh, that's going to be highlighting that open house. And the great thing is 
that we can go in and I can specifically see and the conversation happens, starts almost immediately. And that's the great thing about digital marketing is it is a conversation. It's much more of a, uh, you know, somebody tags their significant other and goes, oh, honey, check this out. Uh, and then you can start having a value adding conversation and not not from the you know what people think of as your traditional salesperson um but you can actually say hey you know how can this help house help you or what are you looking for and how can how can i add value to the problem that you have that you have uh, sure. and that's one of the things i love about about marketing and about real estate is that it's it's kind of that that combination between um, helping people find the, you know, people buy houses because they see their life being better in that house than it currently is. Um, And so, you know, digital marketing is a way for me to connect those people with those solutions. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, I, I totally get it. Uh, I totally get it. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I know that uh, one of the things you've got here. Well, first, before we get to this, tell us about the keys. I find the keys, as a, as a lock and a security guy, I find these keys <laughs> that, that you guys use, I, they, they intrigue me. Um, and so I, I don't know what the odds of me being able to get my hands on one via eBay or some other site. Uh, I'm sure. Hopefully money slim to none. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it used to be uh, back back in oh man not even to before i started it used to be that you if you wanted to show a house you had to go to that real estate company's uh uh, office pick up a key from them and then uh and then go show the house and then take that key back so which meant that if you were going to go and show four or five houses you could potentially go to four or five different listing companies have to borrow their keys go out with your clients show them the houses, then return those keys back to those individual offices. And while you were showing those houses and those keys were checked out, nobody else could, could take those keys. Uh, and those keys weren't available for anybody else. So what, what happened is if, some, if one of your clients liked the house, you pocket the key and you you take it. Oh, I accidentally took it home, and oh, we just happened to uh, write an offer, and I'm returning the key back with you. Uh, and so uh, yeah. nowadays, that has come a long way. So we have these boxes that um, that are uh, that's a lease agreement through um, through our local association of realtors that uh, uh, called Central Lock, um, and. Uh, uh, it's it's actually a really cool system. It's centralock.com. Central, uh, and they, um, uh, it's hey, can, a, I, it's can a, I stop you for yeah, a second before you, get into the, before you get into the meat and potatoes of this? Is somebody, okay, so my beard is not near my mic. Is your beard touching your mic? Cause it sounds oh, it, like, it might be. Okay, it sounds like somebody's doing their nails. And I, I, oh, sorry you know, about I'm that. Not, there's no judgment here. But uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought this was pretty interesting. But okay, so the key is central lock. This is like, so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, central lock has come up and I'm sure there are other competitors to them, but that's just the agreement that our association has with, uh, uh, with, uh, with them. So, um, so our, uh, uh, when I go to show a house, I have, uh, I used to have a card that I needed to, um, renew on a daily basis and that, that information from that lock box was held, 
on that uh, in the chip and then when i renewed the card it got a a, a new uh, code installed on it and that data was downloaded and then uh, sent out to the agents about the time that uh, that i accessed the lockbox so wait a minute, uh, now, so you, you have two-factor authentication in a chip i love it yeah um <laughs> so you had an actual card at one time that yeah you so when i first boxes. started yeah, so when I first started in in 2011, um, they had these uh, these cards that you would have to. There was a card reader uh, that was on a um, that they would give you when you uh, when you signed up with the association, um, and then they gave you this card and you had to renew it um, every day and the the in order for the to access any lockboxes, and um, and then uh, and then they came out with a um they came out with an app um now the app uh, allows me to access any lockbox in our association uh, and uh, it also allows me to generate what we call one day code so if i've got a, I've, if i've got a listing and a contractor i need a contractor to go over there um he or she calls me and says hey, uh, I need a one-day code. I go in, I put in their name, and I say, generate a one-day code. I then can text that, um, you know, just kind of share it through the app uh, to them, and then they press the, it's usually a six- or seven-digit code, and then the lockbox opens. The lockboxes all are on a wireless uh, network uh, system. Um, so it's kind of like, a, you remember that, uh, cell phone that that zach morris used to carry around and save by the bell that was i mean that's what the these things are i mean it's 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 about the size of a of a brick um but um so they actually have cellular so, chips yeah. in them then i mean they, they do yeah okay. they have cellular chips and so now when i when an agent shows one of my listings uh, when they access the box using the uh the app uh, i get an instant notification that that showing has uh, has started, so uh, you know, for better or worse, I've had I've had clients that uh, it it takes them five minutes to go through the house, and they go, ah, eh, no, this isn't the one. Or I've had clients that have you know we've spent forty five minutes there, and they know they that it's not the house, but they want to spend forty five minutes talking about why not. Right. Um, and you know, different different clients have different. Uh, ideas and so uh, it's just a matter of you know kind of working with them in the way that they need to process information um, so from a seller standpoint it can be really beneficial or can be very detrimental and like you know i get the the email and so well they were only there for 13 minutes why you know why why do you think that's uh <laughs> you know i'm not sure you know they could be you know coming back for a second showing or uh, maybe they were on a tight schedule or you know so but it's it's cool and for it's cool uh technology that it's allowing us to do that and it's making my job a lot easier because i i don't have to do as much uh prep work it allows me to uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i don't have to go to real estate companies and pick up keys so uh, i'm happy about that million dollar idea if these houses would have had an Amazon Echo in them, you would know. Well, you know, hey, Amazon, I'm going to subpoena the records from the uh, from the that, Echo so I can hear what you were talking about with the clients. You know, that's, that's actually something that uh, about a year and a half ago, they changed the uh, rules uh, 
that um, now on our listing sheet, we have to disclose whether there's audio or video recording uh, that's happening uh, at the house. And so it's a part of the initial conversation that I have with buyers um, is, you know, just to let you know that uh, in this day and age, um, we cannot expect that Um, when we get into a home that we're going to have privacy, we are going into somebody else's home. Um, they, you know, we have, we have, uh, you know, we have a smart, uh, stuff on our house. Um, and so it's, it's part of the conversation and it's part of being a, uh, a, a smart buyer, um, is to know, you know, it's like I tell clients when we're going to, when you've selected a home or even from a listing standpoint, when we go into negotiations, stay off social media because I've had, I've had buyers where uh, they, you know, we submit an offer and the next morning we call, I call them up and I go, Hey, you know, um, as soon as I hear something from the sellers, uh, you know, we'll be in touch and they go, Oh yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not budging off of our offer. And I go, okay, well, what do you mean? And they go, well, we, uh, we we found the sellers online on Facebook and they went on last night and talked about how excited they were that they got finally got an offer and how they need to be in Dallas in in uh, in 40 days and and uh and I'm like okay there goes your leverage and, and there goes your leverage and so you know the mic is always on and the camera is always rolling and you know we have to understand that uh that there's you know there's there's a lot going on there and, and we negotiate in a lot of ways that aren't just in the words we use and the, and the, uh, uh, the things that we say. Yeah. So I, you know, I've seen drone footage. I've seen uh, real estate agents using drones and I think mm-hmm. it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's nice, but I don't know that there's a selling point for me, but do you think that in the next five to 10 years, VR is going to play a, a, a huge role in helping you, um, I think it's, I think it's an interesting, uh, I think it's an interesting tool uh, that would be a good feather to, uh, you know, have in my cap for the, for the appropriate. Uh, I'm not sure that it's gaining the kind of market uh, viability that I, that I need to see to, to really put any uh, effort behind it. Um, you know, the drone stuff is, is, it's appropriate for, uh, for the right house. Um, you know, I like using drones for wooded backyards where, uh, you want to show a certain amount of privacy or you want to, uh, you want to show, um, kind of the surrounding, uh, the, the homes in the proximity to, to that. Um, you know, some people like to do a lot more drone stuff. Um, and there are some agents who use it incredibly effectively. Um, there's an agent who I have a very high regard for, uh, Mark Mungie, um, who owns and operates a, a, a drone. And he's gone through all the appropriate stuff uh, with the FAA to, uh, to do it. And he, some of the stuff that he does is just exceptional. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so... Uh, and I don't mind giving credit where uh, where credit is due, but you know, it, but to a certain degree, it is kind of gimmicky. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's so. totally gimmicky. But um, uh, so, all right. So, if you had to pick three technologies that help you connect with a a buyer or a seller, 
to actually create some some positive forward momentum, what would they be? Um, my cell phone. Um, you know, I think I think that real estate is local, and you know, technology is really important, but ultimately, it's just a tool to to help us get from from point a to point b um there's a site that i really like uh right now called uh home snap um the the search criteria the search functionality in it is is a little bit behind where uh zillow and trulia and realtor.com and and some of those other sites um are but the uh the ability for agents to have a conversation with their their folks within there is really uh, is really great. Um, the other thing is the the where they started that technology was uh, you can actually take a picture of a house. Uh, that's why it's called Home Snap. You snap in a picture, and it will pull up the information about that home. Um, and that's both very cool and very creepy. Um, yes. Yes. And um, and uh, and so uh, I haven't used that functionality of it because. I'm kind of in the creepy camp uh, right, there, right. but, uh, but uh, the, now I'm the kind other, of curious. Uh, how, how are they? What, <laughs> what are they? Home recognition and like facial? Are yeah, they? Are I they... don't know if it it corresponds with uh, the Google uh, Street View stuff, or uh, I wonder if it's that or, and or GPS or, what, but... or the the GPS yeah, I think on the image probably, snaps. Uh, yeah, I think there's probably some triangulation of of information there. Um, it's a very cool idea, um, but I think that what I like more about it is I like stuff that 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 connects and allows me um, to have deeper uh, conversations and ask more appropriate questions of the folks that I'm working with. Sure. Um, and so, you know, the biggest the biggest uh, trouble that i think buyers and sellers have is there's this vulnerability with trying to find a new home or trying to sell your home um and you're putting yourself into a position where you're making a large financial investment um or financial decision and um and there's all this information and so having somebody who's helping you sift through that information uh, is really important and so um so i like the cell phone because you know because it allows you to, to uh, you know, connect, uh, you know, over the phone, uh, but also kind of have things at your fingertips. I like HomeSnap as a as an app. Um, I have a hard time uh, picking a, a specific third. Um, are, are you still using the? Uh, uh, whenever you're signing contracts and stuff like that, you, are you still doing that all digitally? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that that is yeah, that is a good third because I use a site called Authenticine. Um, uh, years ago, the I think of 2012, 2013, uh, the federal government passed the Electronic Signing Act, um, which was a, a revision of a of a previous uh, online uh, signing. And uh, so I have a client right now in Australia. And she moved over there for a job and, and decided to stay. And, um, and that has allowed us to, uh, to communicate in a way and have her sign documents um, that would have been incredibly difficult um, to, to do in years past. And so it allows me to, you know, instead of uh, driving, you know, 
15, 20 minutes to somebody's office to get initials or, or a signature um, on their uh, on their contract or on something, it allows me to you know to save that time and to spend that time uh, showing homes or or talking with uh, you know talking with with somebody uh, you know I recently had a, a client who was in her mid seventies who had she built the home. Uh, that she had lived in for 54 years. And uh, so it was very difficult for her to, to kind of make the decision to sell it. And I can spend more time with her because of the technology. And so it's a, it's a means to an end, not an end all and be all. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, I, we appreciate you coming on and uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, we can do this again. And um, if you are in the Peoria area and you need a realtor, I suggest uh, that you check out Mike. If you uh, buy or sell a house, you get some awesome van cookies. And, uh, <laughs> it, it's worth know. the price of the house, I promise you. Yeah, I've, I've been told they're, they're good enough to take out a mortgage for. Yeah. Yeah, people can connect with me at uh, MikeVanCleave.com or uh, at MikeVanCleave. Um, or uh you know or uh facebook.com uh mike van cleave dot real estate um so we'll, we'll have uh, links to all of that in the description of this podcast as well awesome yeah. awesome so, thanks so much guys i really appreciate you having me on not a problem yeah. mike thank you and uh we want to thank all of you for listening and i'm willie i'm tim and we will see you on the next episode of geek dives <laughs>